Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Oh, yeah. Come on in. We're going to throw the door wide open. And you can jump in the conversation by dialing one 767 4348. Hey, Gary. Hey, what, Rosie? How about them Sun Devils? How about them Sun Devils? Oh, God, they don't. Man. That means I can't believe. Number number one, Pac 12 South Division. That's just awesome. 18th in the nation, too. I just tickled to death to see them performing like that. It's just so ironic. Their only loss of the year was their team that's last place. College South Pac- Division, Pac-12. Ouch. <laughs> That's college football. Don't bring that up to Don. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Go Sun Devils. And the Wildcats are playing the USC Trojans, so certainly hope they mop the field with those guys. Uh, let's go our Any day Arizona the Trojans teams. go down is a good day. That's right. That's right. Rumi, I still think... You should sign up for this Henry Wickenberg look-alike contest. You know what I'm actually signing up for right now? I think you should the, sign up for this. The Tucson Citizen Water Academy registration. I'll tell you about this. I just stumbled across phenomenal resource. Well, Wickenberg is having a party Saturday, November 23rd, and it's Henry Wickenberg's 200th birthday. And we're going to actually be out there broadcasting live, taking advantage of all the fun. They've got old-fashioned kid games, Native American dancers, food trucks, a beer garden, antique car show, western dance, a vintage flea market and craft fair. That's all November 3rd weekend, November 23rd weekend. So we'd love to see you all out there. We don't make quite as many public appearances as we used to. But this is one I'm not going to miss. And we'd love to see y'all drive up to Wickenburg and join us. And let's all cheer Romy on in the Henry Wickenburg Lookalike Contest. Hey, before we go on, I have a little catching up to do. I got a couple emails wanting to know who was that home warranty company we trash talked last week. I well, make you, a, you can go look that up. Just type in home warranty to KTAR.com and you can find it yourself. We're not. Well, we're, I just I just want to make it perfectly clear. I wasn't trash talking one home warranty company. <laughs> Mark Burnovich is suing one home warranty company. At Rosie on the House, we trash talk all home warranty companies. We had a call. We're not a fan. We're not a fan of the home warranty. We had a caller last hour wanting to know the name, so I, I looked it up for him. But it's just right there on the main page. Just Google it. Actually, uh, being, actually being sued uh, by our own Mark Burnovich uh, because of two unmet, uh, unmet promises. And if you want to find out why we don't like home warranties, go listen to last week's podcast. But I just wanted to or set the record read that article about why they're getting sued. I just wanted to set the record straight. We weren't trash-talking one company. We were trash-talking the whole industry. Did you see the Facebook question that came in for you this week? 
They wanted. Uh, to, I don't go on Facebook very much. Roman, they wanted a contractor in California. Oh, oh I, I did. <laughs> I did see no. that. That's it, not so unusual though, because you do have you do travel the country talking to remodelers. Well, three weeks ago, a guy wanted to know how what is what foundation repair recommendations I can make to his house in New York. I hope you said you you couldn't. He said <laughs> he sent pictures, and I talked to him. Yeah. I said, "Well, here's what you're going to need to do." But well, this woman's children live in Crestline, California. So, and that's Sherry, and she's actually listening this morning. Would you like to know what she's doing? Oh, I don't know what I. She's she's making a cherry pie and a pumpkin pie while she listens. Ooh, bring it over. Yeah, Ooh. bring it on over. And you know what would be fun. Romy, if people would put on Facebook what they're doing while they're listening. We know that most people are out and about on Saturday mornings. So if you wanted to um, hit our Facebook page with a picture of what you're doing while you listen, we'd love to see it. I don't want anybody taking a selfie as you're driving down to Ace Hardware. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Or you could do Twitter as well. Uh, Okay. But she wanted to know, uh, I think it was a roofing question. She couldn't get a roofer. Out to her son's home. Yeah, new roof with insulation in the attic is what in she's In Crestline, California. So I just punched in Crestline, California to see where it was. It's on the far east side of L.A. I know, I know 20 remodelers in the L.A. basin. Let her know. I'll call them, and we'll try and find somebody. Okay. Because uh, that's just what we do. Because I want to be her best friend. She lives in Arizona. That's Every right. Arizona homeowner's best friend. And this is the hour for all of our best friends to call us and ask what their question is for their house, home, castle, or cabin. We are watching our text at 411-923. We have an email at info at rosieonthehouse.com, or you can call us here at 888-767-4348 and ask your question. We're right here waiting on you. And I tell you all what, we talked a little bit last week as well about remodeling projects for the holidays. If if you're thinking you'd like a remodeling job done by the holidays, uh, you better call. You better call the next day or two, okay? Just, I think, Thursday, we signed up a kitchen remodel with Miss Terry. And uh, our schedule says we're finishing it the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> So we'll have Kane in there cleaning up on Wednesday night so that she can have her whole new kitchen for first thing Thanksgiving morning. Oh, boy. But don't, you, don't wait another couple one weeks. One more thing to be thankful for. And, and say you've got a project oh, you want us to get done by Christmas because we're running out of time. We don't do anything without going through and making drawings, picking out all the selections, getting a building permit. And doing it all completely above board. So we need a little bit of time to get all that done. As phone calls are coming in, did you see that Frank Lloyd Wright's home sold? It had been listed. Uh, it was well, the I, one, one off of Camelback? The, the one that he designed. It went up for auction, the one at 36th Street and Lincoln Drive. Oh, no. No, I, I thought the one that they've turned into that community center. No, that one's still up for sale okay. on Camelback. This one's on 32nd and Drive. It went on auction, and uh, it was actually pretty, pretty good deal, $1.7 million. Not, not to take away that from lot, Frank Lloyd Wright, but the lot, that's what that I was going to say. That lot is worth a million. <laughs> it's on a beautiful lot. No, so, I do know that home. Yeah, and I, 
there is something about, and it's a circular home, and there is something about that circular home that the more I look at them and, and think through functioning and living in them, it is a very, uh, you know, a, my perfect home is going to be a circular home, uh, dome style. There's going to be a lot more architectural features on it so it doesn't look like a big egg like some of the <laughs> the dome style Ooh. homes <laughs> Ooh. i don't like that but just the function and uh the the usability and you're not air conditioning and cooling these long corridors and hallways and individual rooms the efficiency uh of maintaining that uh, that quality control is a lot easier in a circular home so anyway congratulations to whoever now owns the last that was a pretty good buy. Yeah. That was that that house has to be about 4500 square feet, doesn't it? it? It was the last home he designed. Yeah, and it is How many square feet did you say? About 4500? It's it's not in this article. Oh. But when it went for sale, it was listed and I I don't think it was that much. It wasn't. No, I I think it was it was more in the mid threes. Okay. If you got $21 million, you can buy a Paradise Valley estate that just went on the market. If sell if it sells for that, it will be uh, the highest home ever sold in Arizona. Oh, really? Five-acre property, 12 bathrooms. Do you need 12 bathrooms? Some days. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who's over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Sunken tennis court, basketball court, soccer field, 75-foot lap pool. When you and Remy come over, we need 12 <laughs> bathrooms and the whole oleander hedge in the backyard. Yeah, all you need is the oleander hedge. <laughs> we're, we're fine there. <laughs> we also have uh, something. Uh, we've been talking water all month long at Rosie on the House. And water recycling, water reuse, water responsibility has been a big topic. And we've got an interview coming up in the next segment with the City of Phoenix about a technology they have in reducing the water demand that lawns require. Now, this is cool. This is cool. Last hour in our On the House Hour, we had Arizona pool water recycling. And according to a text message Steve sent me, there he got uh, a number of people texting about the service. So that's good. One more way to save water. But I randomly just stumbled upon this. Randomly? Randomly. Stumbled upon. Stumbled upon in why, an article I was why reading. Why am I nervous now? The Tucson <laughs> Citizen Water Academy. And it's, uh, I, I, I had a brief look, it's, it's a joint effort between uh, the, the Tucson Water, com- uh, Water Department, the Pima County Regional Wastewater Reclamation Department, University of Arizona Water and Energy Sustainable Technology, uh, and they've got this incredible academy they put together that they had uh, – you, you get to go on tours of Trace Rios Reclamation Facility, which is not the Trace Rios uh, River intersection in Avondale. This okay. is in Pima County, uh, of the Sweetwater Wetlands and the UA West Center. So I'm adding that to our to-do. I signed up for the academy. It's twice oh. a year. Oh, cool. They only take 30 applicants, so it'll be a while before I get through the course and bring that. But Tucson is very neat in its water resource because of its location, where Phoenix, you've got the benefits of the CAP, but also you have Salt and Verde and Gila River, where in Tucson, you've only got the Santa Cruz, and there's more reliant on ground and CAP water than 
uh, and and so their their responsibility to be smart and recycle and and save every drop is, is a higher demand. So they've got a pretty developed water treatment That's uh, cool. establishment in Tucson. Welcome back to Rosie on the House, where we are continuing our conversation on water. And this morning I have Catherine Sorensen, City of Phoenix Water Service Director. Good morning, Catherine. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, you're welcome. We just just had such a good time talking about water this month and just all the innovations, all the wonderful programs we have in place to make sure that the desert dwellers have water. From what I read, the city of Phoenix has a 100-year supply of water. How did that happen? How, do we, how did y'all do such a good job making sure that that supply is going to be around for 100 years? Well, you know, when you live in the desert, you understand the value of water. And the city of Phoenix has always taken a really long-term view of its water supplies. And there's a lot of different strategies that we rely on to make sure that we have enough water out here in the desert. We want to make sure that we have a lot of different eggs and a lot of different baskets. So we acquire more supplies than we need to meet demands today so that we have kind of a bank of supplies that we can rely on in the future as we continue to grow, but also that we can rely on during times of drought or surface water shortage. We're also really careful to reclaim and reuse our wastewater. We also rely very heavily on water conservation and really focus on making sure our customers understand that water conservation is a really important lifestyle choice here in the desert. Are those education programs that you start in the schools? How do you get that message out? So it's all of that. We rely heavily on our education and outreach programs. We really want to take a long-term view of water conservation. We don't want people to react to hydrologic events. We want them to make wise choices every day as part of a desert lifestyle. So we rely heavily on education and outreach. We're in schools where we can teach the next generation about the importance of the water cycle and conserving water. But I also want to mention we also employ a price signal in our water rates uh, that is meant to help encourage people to save water around the house and in their landscaping. By that, I mean we charge more for water in the summer than we do in the winter. And what that does is it means that if you use more water because you have a uh, lush landscaping in the summer, you're going to pay more. And that provides our customers with a price signal to convert from very lush landscaping to more desert-adapted landscaping. And for the most part, we've seen our customers do that. You know, in getting ready for this month and talking about water, we've just been keeping our eyes open for innovative ideas. And I happened to come across an article about the hydrogels that y'all are experimenting with. Would you kind of fill in our homeowners on on what that project looks like? Yeah, we're really excited about this. So um, these hydrogels can be applied to uh, turf facilities below the uh, grass root zone. And basically, the way I see it, they act like a sponge. They kind of soak up water as the turf facility is uh, irrigated, and then they release it over time as the root system gets drier. So it helps retain soil moisture and helps create a healthier turf that really uh, theoretically will use less water. 
the estimate is that it will use um, between 30 and 40 percent less water to maintain a healthy turf system. So it sounds like this may be in the very beginning stages of, of finding out it how is. Well this works. It's a pilot program right now. We want to make sure that it that this type of technology works in our desert soils and our harsh conditions. So we're testing it out at ASU West at some of the soccer fields. But if it works there, we're hoping to roll it out more broadly. It would be great if it had a residential application as well. Yeah, that, that's what we're hoping. You know, if it works here, then uh, we, we would hope to um, employ it at city parks. But if it's really successful and if it saves both water and money, we would hope to make it broadly available to homeowners as well. Great idea. How about the pipeline project? What is that? Well, so there are portions of Phoenix, mostly up in North Phoenix, that today are entirely dependent on Colorado River supplies. Um, Other portions of our service territory are dependent on Salt and Verde River supplies, and that's more the city center, um, South Phoenix, and Ahwatukee. So um, the Colorado River is over-allocated, and we've been experiencing about 20 years of drought. Um, This puts us in a situation where we want to make sure that no matter what happens on the Colorado River, you know, come what may, we're able to continue reliable water deliveries into North Phoenix and the portions of Phoenix that are dependent on that water. So we're building a very large pipeline transmission system so that we can better move supplies that we have on the Salt and Verde River system uh, up into North Phoenix uh, so that if there is a shortage on the Colorado River system, we're still able to maintain those reliable water deliveries across our entire service territory. That sounds like a pretty aggressive plan. For the average Phoenix residents, what is the major thing that they can do to help with this, to be part of the solution to the water? So there's really, there's really two things. I'll, I'll focus first outdoors. Um, it's really important to change to desert-adapted landscaping. Um, you know, our native desert is so beautiful. The Sonoran Desert is the most beautiful desert in the whole world, and it is built for this environment. So as people convert from more lush landscaping into desert-adapted landscaping, they can really save a lot of money. Now, as they do that, they want to make sure that they're using trees and shade to provide relief from the urban heat island. But a lot of our desert trees can provide that relief just as well as others. Inside the house, really, you can get the most bang for your buck by changing out your old toilet. Older models of toilets use a hell of a lot more water than the more modern versions. You know, you can imagine you use your toilet a lot during the course of the day. And by changing out those toilets, you can save a lot of water and really recoup your investment very quickly. Catherine, those are great tips. Thank you so much for joining us. Catherine Sorensen of City of Phoenix Water Service Director. Thank you so much. And now, toilet is the number one consume, water-consuming appliance in the home. I like it. That sounds good. Knee-deep in the water somewhere. I love it. Somebody was questioning mom about my voice. And I do have a procedure coming up very soon for a new vocal cord. And I wonder, do I walk in the room? There's an app for that? Well, I wonder, do I walk in the room and they just have them list like, here's James Earl Jones. Oh. Here's Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. Here's Sam Elliott. Here's Rosie Romero. I don't know. (laughs) 
Do I get to pick what I want to sound like when I'm done? Well, I hope it sounds like Rosie Romero. Oh. I hear little glimmers of it now and again. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. Miss Nancy's helping you out there, too. Yeah, thank you, Miss Nancy. A little therapy going on and a little procedure coming up. We should have you good as new. And thank all the listeners for putting up with this. <laughs> well, and all the kind words and prayers have been just extra special. Well, it's our open line hour. You got something before we go to the phones? I do. Let me run through a couple bulletins real quick. Okay, Andrew, Mitch, y'all hang on. We'll get right to you. Suns tickets. Here's a trivia question. Which Suns player holds the record for most points scored in a game? Text the answer to 411923, and we'll pick a random right winner at the end of this programming segment. Generally, we do that at uh, the second segment, but as... Listeners know I often blow past that, just paying Oops. more attention to the content Oops. than the contests. So who, what Sun players holds the records for the most points in a game? Text the answer to 411-923, and we'll send you tickets to, uh, well, a, a winner will receive <laughs> tickets <laughs> to Sacramento Kings, uh, October 23rd, 7 p.m. Then this week, uh, we'll be out at the Castigram Business Showcase. That's, oh, that's uh, right. coming up Wednesday. At the Property Conference Center, 5 to 7.30 p.m. You can get that uh, for our Casa Grande listeners. You can get that event on rosieonthehouse.com. Or I see the promotion team. The promotion team will be out there. And uh, the promotion team will have the home maintenance calendar handing out. Uh, They've got e-store products that they have. Uh, We're going through our 30th anniversary toolkits. We just, uh, within the last five minutes, sold... Somebody bought a set of the channel lock pliers, but they bought two sets, and these all have the Rosie on the House brand logoed onto them. And it was part of our thank you for 30. All the proceeds from our toolkit, our 30th anniversary toolkit, go back to our three nonprofits as just a way to give back to the community for keeping us on air for 30 years. And those are tools that are made in America, will last you your lifetime, and if taken care of, you'll never need to replace them. And then we would mentioned the blackouts in California last week. Yeah, we did. I I said it quickly going up against the break, but it wasn't because of fire. It was because of the risk of fire. There's too much wind for our power lines to supply power, so oops, you're out of luck. I wanted to mention... We do have a uh, category in our DIY database called emergency preparedness, and one talks about power generation and supply for emergency situations. And this is one of those applications where, you know, for less than $1,000, you can get a Generac generator that runs off of propane. You can buy, put in the garage. That propane is going to last for years, unlike traditional gasoline, whether it's you know, gas or diesel that will go bad in the short term, that propane you can store for years. And if you ever found yourself in a power outage where you needed to recharge your refrigerator or recharge your freezer, you could turn it on, let it kick back up, uh, use it for short-term cooking supply. But you can find that resource in our DIY database. You know what? That was one of the first things that started to go was all the chilled wine in California. Oh, yeah. They had to just start yeah. offloading because no. they didn't have a way to keep it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and and I'll be a little bit of a forecaster here. Those PG&E power outages in California are just going to be one more contributing factor to the increasing real estate prices in Arizona. People finally fed up. Oh, man. If it wasn't the politics, Good if it wasn't the power, night. if it wasn't the Good water. <laughs> the wildfires, the 
Yeah. Power outages. Uh, I don't know. California's a pretty, a really pretty place to drive through, but that's about all I can bring myself to do. <laughs> it, there was an interesting column uh, in September. Could Phoenix survive a power outage? Question mark. Question mark. And it kind of ties into coming back. Uh, if you are one of the people that opted out of paying your electric bill because uh, utilities couldn't shut you off at the end of October. You know, you've got to get caught up now before they start making shutoffs, you know, for... Uh, well, we had that transformer here by Lightning that shut out the East Valley. What was that, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Shut down a whole quarter of the valley for a while. And I can't remember. It, it's longer ago than I, I think it was. But do you remember that one time they had to bring that transformer over from California yes, on a semi? Yes, yeah. And it was like they had aerial coverage of this truck going three miles an hour across yeah. the desert because the equipment was so heavy. <laughs> So hey, you know that to me that's worth it having that generator backed up just to keep your your meat and your food preserve going. So you can find those resources at rosieonthehouse.com. Andrew was first on the line, first on the air. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey Andrew, good morning. Hello. Good morning, buddy. Morning. Howdy. Howdy. Spoken like a real Texan. Howdy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I got a question for you guys. Uh, we moved out here about six weeks ago from Texas, and uh, we're doing some demo on a floor. The flooring companies, you know, they're obviously going to charge a little bit more if they rip up the floor. So we said, ah, we'll go ahead and do it. Don't really know what we're doing here, ripping up the floor. And my question is, uh, curious if this is normal, on the exterior walls of the home, you got your normal concrete flooring and where it's about to meet the exterior wall, it's kind of like a little dip. The best word to give it is almost like a moat and it's filled with kind of a crumbly filler type material. Yeah. And so we're wondering, you know, do we rip this out? Is this a normal construction? I just, I don't know what it is. I've never seen it before when we're ripping up flooring. Andrew, it's just a little expansion joint between the slab of your house and the outside stem wall of your house. And the company coming in to reinstall will take care of all that. Whatever of that crumbles up and comes out while you're removing it, go ahead and sweep it up and just get it out of there. But the company coming in to put the new floor in can take care of the rest of it. Now, is this sheet vinyl that you're removing or vinyl tile? It is. Uh, it's sheet vinyl. It's, it, it has like that. It's trying to look like a wood floor, but it's uh, it's just a vinyl floor that's uh, glued down onto okay. the concrete. Well, and are you using scrapers to pull it up? Yes. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna if yep. if you took the responsibility of demoing it, the floor installation company is gonna want to know you're down through the uh, adhesive all the way down to raw concrete. So you're actually going to have to get some 12 and 16 inch razor blade scrapers on the end of six foot handles and scrape it all the way down. Now, if it is sheet vinyl, you can get over to A A to Z equipment rentals and they make a sheet vinyl stripping machine uh, that will help you as well. Do you have an opinion on a lot of companies that gave us quotes said, oh, just leave the vinyl there, put the carpet or tile on top of it. Other people said, no, you know, start with a nice fresh floor. Our opinion is 
yeah, I don't know if I want to live with the, you know, old stains and smells of a 10-year-old vinyl. Well, Andrew, if it's clean, that vinyl, if it's adhered to the slab well, makes a perfect moisture barrier, which is a great reason to keep it. If it's in good shape, if it's in good shape and it's clean, there's very little flooring that you can't put right over the top of it. Okay, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, that is a, so that little moat's called an expansion joint. That's yeah. nothing to be worried about. It looks like no. you can finish the floor, but no. Okay. No, they'll float it out. They'll refloat it out again before laying the new tile. And welcome from Texas, Andrew. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your help. Yeah, I started listening about four weeks ago. Uh, really neat uh, format. I don't think we have anything like this in Texas. So, uh, Great show. I've listened every week so far. Andrew, we're here to help you. Never hesitate to call. With that, let's see if we can jump to Mitch real quick. Hello. Calling from Tempe. Good morning, Mitch. Yep, here I am in Tempe. And I've got a toilet problem, so I'll give you a quick history. Okay. Toilet was running every so often for about 10 seconds, so I replaced the flapper. Okay. Problem still persisted. I replaced took the tank off, replaced the entire flush valve. Problem still persisted. I swapped out flappers again. Still same problem. So I called Romy. He suggested putting Vaseline around where the flapper contacts the flush valve to make sure there's a good seal. I did that. Still, I did the food color test. Still getting color in the bowl. So just the other day, I took the tank off and took the flush valve out and put silicone seal on both sides of the gasket that go between the flush okay. valve and the inside of the tank, put it all back together, still doing it, swap flappers again, still doing it. I'm at a loss. Yeah, I, would, I think it's time no for a new toilet. Floor <laughs> or anything like that. I don't know how this is happening now. Man, oh, man, Mitch, I'm at a loss as well. Every single thing that I would, in my toolbox and in my memory, that I could tell you to try. You've already tried. How old is the toilet? It's probably 1960, yeah. but, I mean, I felt, you know, the opening in the tank. Oops. Uh-oh. You know what? Mom's, like, cringing. <laughs> Hang on. We'll All get right, him. She was bugging me. She's like, I'm going, wait a minute. It's not locked in. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I accidental hung up trying to put another caller on hold. We'll, we'll call Mitch offline. <laughs> Let's see if we can jump to Steve. Hang do on, we have me, time? Let me do these on the phone. Let me do these on the phone. Nobody touch Every anything. Every line is it. lit up. Holy cow. Steve, welcome. <laughs> Hello, Romy. Yes, hey, sir. Uh, my question is, is it uh, worthwhile doing foam insulation on the inside of an attic and removing the uh blown-in insulation, and sealing the floor as well. Steve, what what age is your house? Ten years. Okay. Um, For the rest of the listening audience, uh, about 20 years ago, some home builders quit putting insulation on the floor of the attic, which is the ceiling of your house, and they started insulating the bottom of the roof up in the roof rafters that way all the ductwork running in your attic was an insulated space and i can tell you steve that's called cathedral insulation and done during construction 
it's well worth it. For you to do what you want to do, we've got to bring a insulation vacuum machine up there, evacuate the insulation that's there, go through a extremely tedious process of sealing up every vent hole that the builder put into the house, and then spray foam it. You're going to be more comfortable. You're going to like it better. But the expense you're going to have to go through to do that, you'll never see an economic return on that investment. You'd be better off just leaving the insulation in your ceiling, making sure it's installed properly to an R30 or an R38 and let well enough alone. That's my answer. And the answer to your son's trivia question, who, what player scored the most points? It was Marley. A Marty Stoudemire. It was not Dan Marley. It was not uh, Charles Barkley. It was not Shaquille Kevin O'Neal. Johnson. It was not Kevin Johnson. It was not Jeremy Grant. Uh, it was Kevin Brooker. And if your phone number ends in 7561, you're the right answer, random right answer winner, because of how you said it. Kevin Booker, duh, dropped 70 on Boston. 70. And Devin with a D, not Kevin with a K. Devin Booker was a Suns player that scored 70 on Boston. I guess I didn't catch wow. it, but somebody corrected me and said Devin, not Kevin. So I must have said Kevin. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to botch that. If you missed it, uh, nationwide this year so far, 35 people have died from West Nile. Half of those were in Arizona, 16 of them. And I think the reason for that is is because we don't treat for mosquitoes. So many other places have blanket window treatment blanket, or mosquito treatment uh, systems. So if you're finding a lot of mosquitoes in your home and you're worried about it, all of our pest control companies offer services for that. Eliminate uh, but the standing water. Eliminate the standing water. And it's been how long since that heavy rain? Three weeks? They're, yeah. they're all dead now anyway. They're or, or gradually dying off around those pools that ha- may have been standing in your yard. Obviously around our lakes and rivers, they're, they're still there. So They're wondering what they did in a past life to deserve being born a mosquito in the middle of the desert. <laughs> All right, let's go to James with another question about insulation. Good morning, yes, James. Hey, how you doing today? Good. What's your uh, question? A couple questions. I'm building a brand-new track home in Surprise. Okay. Um, went by the side. I go by every weekend usually. I saw the water bib had been hit, and the pipe instead of going straight up was about 45-degree angle. Um, you know, they're in the good construction, moving stuff around there. So now, you know, I've, of course, I've already signed the, again, initial amount of money to start construction. My credit's cleared, but we haven't closed. I closed about a month and a half. Well, what's my rights, you know, to tell them, hey, this got to be done right? I'm afraid when they take that back and if they, somebody tries to bend it back straight, it's going to just pop off or crack down below the surface of the ground there. What's my rights, you know, to uh, until this thing is done and I actually close on this new, new track home here? Well, uh, your rights are going to depend on your builder and which rights he grants you. Uh, There are builders in the Valley that actually don't like or don't allow you onto the property because their insurance won't cover homeowners walking through a construction zone. You may want to consider finding a home inspection company and pay them to inspect the home at two or three strategic times during construction and have them give you a document. Uh, that's really 
Other than that, the registrar contractors, you can, you can apply to them within two years of taking possession of the home, but sometimes it's too late for that. So I, I recommend regularly hire a home inspector and pay him to go out and look at the house a couple times. Pre-drywall would be the most critical inspection. And look, I get it. Uh, home builders, insurance, and if I was building a home, I wouldn't want people walking all over my job site either. But at the end of the day, this it's, is it's, your home. It's <laughs> You're Uncle, paying for this. Uncle Phil, Aunt Gladys, a couple of nieces and nephews, <laughs> probably two labradoodles with them, you know, and they're walking over, you know, boxes of nails and extension cords and ladders and scaffolding. It's so. the most expensive investment you'll probably make in your life. It's where you're going to live. Make sure you get it what, what you want and, and that it's done right. Let's see if we can get to Jim in Phoenix. Good morning, Jim, with an air conditioning question. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question was, uh, I'm going to replace two rooftop units, or would like to. And uh, it's been several years. They're probably 12-plus years old. And I've been reading on the uh, difference between... Uh, a two-stage compressor and the variable speed compressor. Okay, hold on real swag. I'll answer that real quick. If you've given the choice by your air conditioning contractors, I would tell you, one, uh, only shop air conditioning contractors at rosieonthehouse.com. And generally speaking, I'm going to pick the variable speed over the two-speed virtually every time. I hope that helps. That goes from a two-speed to an 800-speed. <laughs> That's right. Okay, bring in Mitch real quick. Mitch has a toilet we can't figure out. He's already done everything I would told him to do. So, Mitch, are you ready to write something down? Um, I will be in a moment. Okay, we're running out of time. Do it quick. Go ahead and just say it. We'll get the answer to Listen, one. Mitch. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, since you've already done everything I would do and I'm stumped, we're going to pay for Rosie Certified Stampede Plumbing to come to your house and solve that problem. You call them, 602-903-1787, and Rosie will pay for the plumber to come, and then we'll find out what it is, and then I get to add that to my database, and the next time I'm asked this question, I can look like an expert. And I think we already mentioned this to him, and one of the things he tried, because a lot of people, both text, phone, and email, all said... The you filler know, tube. Yeah, make sure the filler tube, that the float valve is shutting off before water is going into the filler tube. And I'm pretty sure uh, in talking to him last week or two weeks ago when he called, we already covered that. But if not, you know, check that float valve and make sure that the toilet is stopping the water shut off before it goes into the tube. And... You've already tried everything. It's a 1960s toilet. Call. You, you got your money's worth out of it, man. Call. And it's wasting a ton of water. Get a new low flow. Call, call Stampede Plumbing. I'm going to take it out of Jennifer's allowance. We'll pay for it. 903-1787. Those of you still on hold, don't hang up. We'll answer your question off air. <laughs> 